Hi, Matt Fortnoy from Next to None. And this is his dad, Mike Fortnoy, and we are both hanging right here with The Frog Report. Very cool interview today. My guest is Max Portnoy from the group Next to None, who have their debut album coming out called A Light in the Dark on June 29th on Inside Out Music. And we are joined by him and his dad, Mike Portnoy, of course, legendary drummer from Dream Theater, Transatlantic, and more. Hey, guys, thanks for being here. What's happening, man? Good. You guys sound pretty good. Thanks for uh, for calling, man. This is really cool. No problem. Max, I want to start with you. Uh, you know, a lot's been happening uh, you got the uh, the album coming out, uh, A Light in the Dark, which is now coming out June 29th. I think there was a, a, a change in the street date. And uh, you had the mini tour with Haken. So, so tell me about the ride you've been on and how exciting this must be for you. Everything's been awesome. I mean, I've been wanting to do this ever since I was little, so it's a dream come true. And touring with Haken was a ton of fun. I mean, they're all really nice guys. Uh, we're all, like, friends now and everything. They were, they were really nice to us. And it was a ton of fun to be able to tour with them. And a lot of people came out to see us. We gained a lot of fans. We were able to, like, preview our album, too, while we were out. And everything, even recording the album, like, a year ago, was a ton of fun. So can't wait for it to be released soon. But everything's been awesome. And uh, and I imagine from everything I read, the response uh, from the band and the new songs on the road was, was really positive. Yeah, every, everything um, went over really great. All the fans were giving us positive feedback. Like every night, we'd after the show, we'd check our Twitter and our Facebook, and we'd have like ten like notifications of just people saying how awesome we were and that they want to like buy our album and come out to see us again. So that was incredible, and I can't wait to go back to those places and have like all those all those new fans come out and see us again. Did you guys find playing the songs that now maybe they changed a little bit when you were doing it live from, from when you were recording it since it took so long to kind of record the album? Well, yeah, I think a little bit changed. We haven't changed anything major, like any sections, but I mean, maybe some fills I'd change every once in a while, but I try to keep it as close to the album as possible. And I mean, yeah, really everything is basically the same, just maybe like some minor details. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Mike, when you decided to produce it, so what was the process of that? Because I, I imagine you get asked by a ton of young bands to produce their album because they think it would be great to have you involved. Of course, this is different because Max is in the band, but was there any kind of nervous uh, feelings about going into that and maybe you guys might butt heads or what, how'd you go into the whole project? You know, there was no hesitation. It was it was a no-brainer, and it was almost like it was um, a foregone conclusion. I don't even right. know if anybody even even asked me. <laughs> I think it was just assumed I would do it. Um, but I, you know, I think it was important for me to just show them the ropes of what the recording process is about. Um, you know, I've, I've already said this a million times, and it's true. You know. They wrote the music, they played the instruments, that's all them. I think the, my main purpose there was to just show them what the process is like. Uh, you know, the whole process from, from overdubbing and doing different instruments and, and just to be there to show them the ropes because it was their first time actually going to the studio. And I should point out that we actually went 
to uh, an outside studio and, and spent a month there, like literally every day working as a band. You know, these days, so many people just do their CDs at their houses and mail, put, send stuff to the mail. I, I thought it was very important for them to have the true band studio experience like I had when I made my first album. Did that kind of send you back to that time and make you miss maybe the old days of, of starting out? Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I myself have, you know, done maybe uh, 10 or 12 albums since leaving Dream Theater, and none of them have been done from start to finish with the whole band in the room, uh, like Next to None did. So I, I was a little envious that, like, you know, I, I kind of missed that experience. I thought it was really great that they got to have that experience and be there together, all the members from start to finish. Uh, that's that's the old-fashioned way, and it's really the best way to make a record. Very few bands get to do it that way anymore, including the ones I'm currently in as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but for for both you guys, were there any sort of surprising moments when you were when you're in the in the studio, Max? Maybe you kind of learning some some ropes, and 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 Mike sort of dealing with with them and seeing them, you know, sort of rise to the occasion. I was already kind of. Mike knew what I was gonna do based on when we recorded the recorded the EP. I mean, obviously this was more advanced than that, but I I wasn't really like too like confused on what to do. It was it was more just like I went in. I just I was already practicing the songs beforehand. We didn't write them in the studio, so I already knew everything I was gonna play. I was I practiced the click already and everything, and I had everything perfect. So it wasn't really I didn't really have any problems really with it, but. They were surprisingly comfortable in the studio. I mean, all four of them took to it real easily and adapted really well. Uh, you know, Max was already comfortable playing with a click track and stuff like that, which is such, such an important thing for a drummer to do. Yeah. Uh, the other guys were really good at, like, stacking their instruments. Like, Ryland was very good at, like, you know, doubling his rhythm tracks and, you know, playing acoustic guitar on top. And Thomas did really well stacking his harmonies and trying different um, vocal approaches. So I would say they were they were almost like seasoned veterans. I mean, as talented as, as, talented as they are on their instruments, they were also just as um, advanced in terms of, you know, their studio abilities. Yeah, and, and and adapting to the the situation. So, Max, you've been playing for a long time and been with the band for a few years now. What was the point when you guys said, "Okay, we we need to make a full album. We we can do this seriously as a band, and we're we're going to go for it." Originally, Nexum was just a cover band, and we didn't even have like a name yet at that point. We had like different names. And after after a while, I just said, I just thought we should like start writing our own music. And then, I, originally we wanted to write like a full-length album, but it, it was taking us a while, so that's when we went and recorded the EP. And afterwards, we just kind of decided that we need to like focus on making a full-length album, and we just kind of worked like uh, almost like every day. Like, I mean, we practiced like three times a week now, so, and we probably did more back then when we wrote this stuff, so. Um, I mean, it was like probably about two years ago when we started writing the songs that are on this album, we started to focus more on making the full-length album. 
it was important for them and and I think um to be honest my wife Marlene Max's mom is probably really good at motivating them and trying to get them to constantly do new things you know they the three things that really bands need to do is is write, record, and tour. Write, record, and tour. Those are the three stages of band activity. And, you know, they, they spent years and years writing and rehearsing and then uh, playing local shows. So, uh, you know, there came a point where, where Marlene was, was very, um, you know, influential or whatever in, in, in deciding, hey, it's time, let's record, let's get in the studio. You know, first they sure. did the EP a couple of years ago, and then last summer with actually starting with a full-blown album. What's the songwriting process for the band? Who who kind of initiates it, or do you guys get in a room and jam? What do you guys do? Every song on the album is kind of written differently. I mean, for the most part, Thomas and I write all the stuff. But, I mean, for this album a lot, we, we would, like, have band practice, and we would just kind of jam a little bit, and, like, say we found something cool, we would work off of that. Or Thomas would come in with like an idea or something, and then like we I'd make like a drum thing to it, and then like I'll, I'd think of like some other part to follow it up, and we just kind of go off of that. And I mean that's probably how we are gonna do it for a long time. I know Thomas and I still like write stuff. We just bounce around ideas for fun that we probably can put on like the next album after a light in the dark, and we just kind of keep going in and just playing around with riffs and stuff. A, a year or two in the in the time of teenagers is like dog years, you know. Right. It's like seven years for adults, and the pro the, the 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 progress that they make from year to year is staggering. I mean, if you hear their EP from when they were twelve and thirteen, and then you hear Light in the Dark, it's like they're a completely different band. And now I hear the stuff they are writing now because at this point, you know, they recorded the Light in the Dark almost a year ago at this point. So the stuff that they've written since then is already like years beyond what people are going to hear with this album. I hear the stuff that, that like Max and Thomas are working on in the basement and on the, in the Pro Tools and it's like, it's the most technical, insane shit I've ever heard. Right. Like they, you know, they're doing stuff that like, like, you know, bands like Periphery and Between the Buried and Me are doing now. So, you know, you really hear major, major quantum leaps quantum leaps of progress with a band that's this young because you know they're they're just developing so much so quickly you know speaking about the the ages uh, of the members one of the challenges i've i've seen before in bands that start out young is keeping them together really because yeah, at the drop of a hat one of them can go oh i like uh, skateboarding and just go off and that's it you lost your drummer you know so uh, you guys have been around f for a while and stayed together for a while and seem to have that kind of focus how how do you keep that going well i mean at first i don't know if like i think it started out kind of just as fun with uh when we were doing the covers but I, I think as time went on and we got more serious about it, everyone else got more serious about it. So I, I know that this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Like, I don't even, like, think of anything else I want to do. I'm just going to put all my time and effort into the next to them. I'm sure, and I know everybody else in the band is like that as well. So I guess just constantly just, like, playing local shows and even, like, the whole studio experience just kind of made us realize how awesome it is and how much we want to do this with our life. Yeah. 
there's such an aura of like the the influence of dream theater in in almost every band that we listen to now with from haken the periphery to whoever it's very unavoidable i imagine with some of your music so how conscious were you both of uh this sounds too close to that or or you know when you were recording and and paying attention to that sort of thing I mean, we always try to stay as far away from copying someone else. I know, like, sometimes maybe, like, Thomas will come in with a riff and it'll sound, like, almost identical to, like, a Dream Theater song or something, and we have to, like, like realize that it's not, like, we don't want to be copying them. Like, sometimes they'll, like, even have to be, like, I'll bring in a riff that sounds like some other song, and, like, we have to, like, completely, like, get rid of it because we don't want to copy anyone. Like, we don't even realize that we do it sometimes. But yeah, absolutely. But as we're going, we're, at, we're, I think we're becoming even more original. Like, we're not even, like, I don't even think this, this album, that personally, is, I think it's completely original. I don't, I've never heard anything like, I mean, obviously there's influences from like Slipknot and Dream Theater, but I don't, it's not copying anything. Right. I mean, I think, I think they're heavier than most prog metal bands because they have because they're younger and Max loves like Slipknot and Lamb of God and Pantera so I think there's a lot more of the heavier influences mixed in with the prog influences the weirdest thing and maybe maybe I shouldn't even give this away <laughs> but Thomas Couché was, was a Dream Theater fan even before he was friends with Max or before he knew me. You know, he was, um, you know, he, him and like his dad in particular, his dad used to come see Dream Theater all the time all those years. So when Max and Thomas hooked up, Thomas already had that Dream, dream Theater influence having nothing to do with me or Max. Right. So I think that's inevitably coming out in a lot of the writing and, and a lot of the stuff that Thomas writes actually reminds me, uh, you know, a lot of like Jordan or, uh, you know, Kevin Moore. So uh, you know, I, I think, if anything, the Dream Theater influence in the band is coming probably more from Thomas than it is from Max. I think Max is more, you know, the Slipknot Lamb of God side. Right. You know, a lot of times uh, for kids who have famous uh, parents that are musicians or actors or something like that, they, they try to avoid going down the same road or can maybe do a variation of, of, of that sort of thing. And, but here you have Max sort of not only going into music, but going into metal and drumming. Mike, did you ever say to him, why don't you play the guitar or, or Max, were you ever nervous of following in those, those big footsteps of your dad? Um, no, I've always wanted to play drums just, just from watching my dad. And I would always just get like drumsticks and watch him play. And I'd bang on stuff. Just, I, I don't know. I just always wanted to play drums. I never thought about, doing another instrument instead I mean I still play like guitar and bass like it's not good but I can play them but it, I wouldn't want that to be like my main instrument because I always want my main instrument to be drums and I'm not I'm, I'm not like nervous or anything that my dad is also like the best drummer in the world I don't <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> but um I I don't know I just I just think it's cool that we both play drums too but that's not even the main reason I just like drums for some reason I guess I like hitting stuff uh, clearly he's amazing at drums so it, it, it's a moot point at this but when he was starting out with drums where, did that ever did you ever have that thought well maybe try guitar or something no never I mean he, he gravitated towards the drums and I was going to support him whatever he wanted to do if he, wants to, if he picks up a tennis racket and wants to play tennis I'd support that 
If he wanted to become a lawyer or a doctor, I would have supported that. But he inevitably gravitated towards the drums because, you know, he grew up around it and literally toured with me from the day he was born. You know, there's pictures out there. You can see him online of him literally sitting behind my drum set at one or two years old while I was on tour. So, you know, that's what he naturally gravitated to. And uh, I've just been supportive of, of him no matter what he wants to do. But the fact that it is drumming for me is is really really cool and uh i'm 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 glad that i can it's it's something it's an area that i can give him advice or help in you know if he did want to be a tennis player or a doctor or a lawyer i'd have no idea what to say to him or tell him right uh, but luckily you know this is a, a department that i have some experience in so i can steer him in the right direction i should point out though that i don't teach him he, he goes to another teacher Oh, lessons. really? That's cool. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that's probably common with most, most parents. And well, the, the two reasons are, first of all, I'm, I'm not home consistent enough. I, I think he needs to take lessons weekly from somebody, and I'm just not home that regularly to do that. But also, I'm not a teacher. You know, I'm a drummer, but just because I'm a drummer doesn't mean I'm necessarily a teacher and think in those terms. So I think it is important for him to go to an outside third party. And he actually, he's been taking lessons from the same guy for... I don't know, eight or ten years now, he's really been great in developing Max's style and techniques and reading abilities. And But Max really reminds me of a young version of myself. You know, when I was his age, I wanted to play drums. I wanted to learn as much as possible. And Max goes to a music uh, high school, so he's, you know, really learning and developing not only as a drummer but as a musician, and that's exactly the way I was when I was his age. Yeah. What about uh, ending up with uh, Inside Out Music, which is sort of the the big prog, you know, rock label? Were you guys shopping the album around, or was that just sort of the obvious choice? Uh, both. It was the obvious choice, and we did shop it around, and we had some offers from a few different labels. But um, for me, as the person with the the most experience with dealing with record companies and things like that, I always wanted them to end up with Inside Out because I have such a great relationship with them and you know I've been with Inside Out since they began Uh, Thomas Wobber you know I first met Thomas when he was a Dream Theater fan following me on tour in the early 90s (laughs) and then he went on to form Inside Out and since then I've worked with him with Transatlantic and OSI and Neil Morse so I have this long relationship with him and once we started doing the Next to None album for me it was a no-brainer um and I was really, really uh, glad that Thomas stepped up to the plate and, and offered them the deal, you know, because really, at the end of the day, that's, it, it was the right place for them to be. You know, they, they next to none, did the Progressive Nation Cruise with, you know, most of the bands on the Progressive Nation Cruise were inside-out acts. It, just, it was just a natural on so many levels. That being said, though, I, I, I think this is heavier than most of the stuff on the Inside Out label. So, uh, you know, whether or not down the road they, they still remain on Inside Out yet, yet is yet to be seen, but I think for this particular album it was a perfect fit. Uh, yes, I would I would absolutely agree. They are probably the, the heaviest band on the label, but uh, but yeah, a perfect fit with, with what they're doing over there. Um, what's sort of uh, the relationship now musically moving forward uh, are you, Mike, are you sort of hands-off now that the album's done or uh, just offering advice when they ask? And Max, do you go to your dad for things in, in terms of what single should we do, stuff like that? 
not not really because Thomas and I and everyone we still practice on our own and everything and Thomas and I write by ourselves and we only really like say we need like advice maybe on something like we can't like figure out like what the right note is or like if something's clashing we, we might like, call him over for like a second just to help us with something like that but other than that it's just we're kind of on our own I mean my dad doesn't like purposely like abandon us but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like we, we learn covers too like as a band and we just kind of practice still we, we do all the shows we have I mean, obviously, my mom and everyone, like, what, if my dad's around, he'll come to all of our shows, but he's on tour constantly, so he's not around for all of them. But we obviously need a parent to drive us to the show, so but once we're there, we just kind of do it all ourselves. We have a, a feature on the prog report we've been doing where we, where we ask uh, musicians to tell us what was the song that changed their life. And I was wondering if I could ask each of you that question, if you can think of something really quickly. I, I can't think of a song that changed my life, but I can just watching my dad, like obviously I've said this so many times already, but just watching my dad and like basically persuaded me into playing drums and everything and going on tour with him and kind of experiencing it even though I was like two years old, it was so awesome. And it got me to want to play drums, so everything with Dream Theater kind of just from growing up with it makes me want to play drums and everything. And obviously, like, my dad also showed me, like, Slipknot and everything, so all that stuff, every song I listen to by, like, any band always just kind of makes me want to play drums, so it's, I don't know, I can't think of a song. <laughs> I should point out that I came home from the movies last night, and Max was in the basement learning the Dance of Eternity on drums, <laughs> so the fact that he could play my drum parts at 16 that I didn't even create till I was in my mid-30s is, is absolutely mind-blowing to me. That, yeah, that's amazing. Um, what about you, Mike? Do you have a, uh, an answer for, the, for a song like that for you? Well, I mean, you can't, it's hard to pick a song. The, the band that absolutely completely paved my life was the Beatles. Uh, literally from day one, I was a Beatles fan. Uh, so, I mean, if I had to pick one song... It, I remember having the Hey Jude single. It was Hey Jude on the A side and Revolution on the B side. Uh, I remember having the single with the apple on it and playing the 45 over and over and over and over when I was a little tiny, tiny baby. The funny thing is, Hey Jude isn't even one of my top 50 Beatles songs these days. I, you know, right. it's, it, it's one of my least favorite Beatles songs these days. However, I think it was the one that had that huge impact when I was a tiny little baby and I listened to it over and over and over. So I guess that would have to be the one. Very cool. Um, Mike, I, I want to, can I get uh, just a quick update on, you know, you did the winery dogs, how that's coming along and, and uh, the twisted sister shows that you just did. Uh, the winery dogs album is coming along. Great. We, um, We've recorded uh, 16 songs. Uh, probably all of them won't make the record, but it's a, an amazing record. I, 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 I'm so excited by, about it. Um, I think it's even better than the first, which is saying a lot because I love the first album, but I think this album is, is a whole other step forward. Uh, it should be out, I guess, in October. I mean, the tour starts October 3rd, so I'm hoping that the record will get out before then. Wow. But... Uh, and then I also have the Metal Allegiance album that's coming out in the fall, which I could not be more excited about. That's the, the total full-on metal side of what I do. 
And then I just did uh, my first show with Twisted Sister last week, and uh, that's going to be ongoing all summer. I have uh, shows with them all throughout Europe all summer long. And uh, for me, that's just a fun, fun experience uh, playing with a band that, that was a huge part of my teenage years. You know, I grew up listening to those guys uh, in the late 70s and early 80s. So for me, it's an honor to be able to help them out and do these shows. Just, just fun. Yeah, Good that's time. that's very cool and uh, as busy as ever. Guys, listen, I'm a big fan of your stuff, Mike. You know that. And Max, we, we love the record. I love the record. Uh, and I think it's going to be a huge success. I wish you the best with it, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. All right, we'll see you. All right. Bye. Thanks to Max and Mike for the interview. We're going to close with a track off the new Next to None album. This is the first single called You Are Not Me. Check theprogreport.com for upcoming news and interviews. Check us out on Facebook, at The Prog Report on Twitter, and of course, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Thanks.